Hello there. Welcome to Inspired a Galaxy. In this segment of the ORP, we discuss the artists and stories that inspired us and hope that they inspire you. And now, we present the episode. So, Brian, uh, do you remember when we used to be a Star Wars podcast? I remember, yeah, it was uh, it was not so long ago. I remember you uh, said, hey, Brian, do you want to come be on my Star Wars podcast? I said yes, and we talked a lot about Star Wars, um, it, but we, we still talk about Star Wars. We just made it all the way through our travel logs for KOTOR 2. Yeah, and um, we... We still talk a lot about Knights of the Old Republic and Star Wars, but with Inspired a Galaxy episodes, we just like to take a little break from the galaxy far, far away and talk about uh, other things that we like. You know, uh, like we're still probably going to talk about like Revan and like the Skywalker crew, you know, like inevitably mm-hmm. because it's probably just going to happen, but. Today we're going to be talking about Puss in Boots. That's right. Yeah, today we were talking about Puss in Boots. And yeah, I really like the Inspired a Galaxy um, you know, episodes that we do because we've talked about different books. We've talked about different uh, movies and stories. And, you know, it's just a, just a way to uh, stretch our legs a little bit and go out and enjoy some other kinds of media. And yeah, just really kind of talk about stories that we like and hopefully uh, you like them too. So make sure you let us know if you have a a story or a movie or book you want us to dive into, uh, let us know. We'll take a look. Yeah. So today, in honor of uh, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, I am drinking the official mocktail, which is uh, leche or mm. milk. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, there yeah. you go. There you go. I am uh, I'm having a black coffee. Uh, so no uh no con leche for me but it is um in a revan mug so that's pr- that's pretty good so uh we're tying it all back back together here as we get into uh uh puss in boots the last wish and uh yeah i know you had seen this uh pretty close to the time that it came out and uh you were pretty high on it but i hadn't watched it uh yet but i needed to for my oscar watch i go through every year and try to watch all of the oscar nominated films and puss in boots the last wish is nominated for uh best animated feature film so i had to watch it anyway you really liked it. So I said, well, why don't I watch it and we'll talk about it. Yeah. So so it ended up working out. Um, but I I thought it was funny when it started, like the logo uh, for DreamWorks. It's like, does every logo like now start with like showing off every IP <laughs> the studio owns? And I'm like, that's kind of funny. That's right. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a a copy and paste of the uh, Marvel uh, intro there where it's just showing all of the all of the properties I definitely definitely noticed that for sure and um, Puss in Boots is a character that I that I knew about I mean obviously I know kind of you know of the the fairy tale of uh, Puss in Boots but um, I knew fairy tale from Shrek 2 but then I never I never watched Shrek 3 or uh, Shrek ever after the fourth Shrek and then I never watched the first Puss in Boots uh, movie so um, really coming into this I was pretty fresh on my uh, Puss in Boots uh, you know this uh, DreamWorks animated version uh, I was a novice in terms of this world yeah I think Puss in Boots uh, The Last Wish does work well as like a standalone uh, movie you don't need to have watched the Shrek franchise or the first Puss in Boots to understand what's going on but uh, this movie actually inspired me to watch uh, 
the original Puss in Boots that came out like in 2011 and Shrek Forever After and I'm kind of like what if what if Shrek 5 comes out you know like I'm actually like sort of excited for it so yeah it seemed like they definitely opened that door um uh you know kind of kind of a light spoiler warning but at the end uh of the film you see them kind of going to the far far away which is the the land of uh, Shrek in that world. So yeah, maybe they're going to come back together for some kind of ultimate uh, reunion, get the whole gang back together for, for one last kind of crazy send off. Yeah. And here we are already talking about the end, but um, uh, at the beginning of the last wish, it kind of starts with uh, Puss in Boots, uh, just kind of like living the legend uh and singing, like, who is your favorite fearless hero, you know, and eventually the sleeping giant of Del Mar ends up getting, a, like, ends up waking up. So uh, Puss in Boots has to fight him, and uh, right away you kind of see that the, the animation style is a bit different than, you know, the previous Shreks or... The previous Puss in Boots, it's kind of more like uh, um, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. What did you think about, like, the animation style? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, just kind of the the regular animation style just for the, the story, you know, is very much just kind of that, that DreamWorks, that animated uh, style that, that we know that we saw in that uh, kind of opening thing, you know, with Shrek there and uh, Trolls and stuff like that. But then, yeah, anytime that there was some kind of action and you got introduced to it right away as, uh, you know, Puss in Boots is fighting uh, this giant... Um, it goes into more of this, yeah, like you said, into the Spider-Verse or uh, the Mitchells versus Machines, kind of that sort of thing where it gets uh, slightly cel-shaded looking, um, a little bit more, um, you know, kind of kind of quicker cut, uh, kind of leaner cut, almost almost like a very light, uh, like anime light kind of, a, kind of a styling. And I thought that that was really interesting. It kind of broke it up a little bit and just gave you visually a little bit more to look at and to latch onto. And I would think for the artists that were working on the project, you know, kind of let them flex their creativity um, quite a bit. Um, I really liked you know, that kind of visual styling. And then I really liked kind of the transitions that they used where they would kind of blow up the characters into, um, you know, kind of like these uh, two-dimensional shadows and play in kind of the next scene, like in behind it as it's going out. So uh, they played a lot with the way that this looked, I think. Yeah, and it's kind of like 2.5, like uh, it's kind of two-dimensional, kind of three-dimensional. It's kind of its own thing, uh, which I... I really like, like, rather than, like, recreating, uh, one-for-one, like, natural, uh, CGI, you know, like, realistic, like, why not just have fun with it and, uh, be artistic and try new things that you can't really do in other mediums, uh, so, so I kind of like the departure, um, from the different animation styles and, uh, here's a fun piece of trivia. Uh, some people have seen the wolf uh, in the intro uh, fight. Did mm. you see the wolf? I did not notice the wolf until, um, you know, kind of right after 
uh, that fight ends and you know then they have kind of their their head-to-head battle there but I did not notice the wolf in there and I would think that if you watch this a uh, bunch of times you would probably see the wolf uh, popping up periodically um, you know versus you know the times obviously when we're seeing him when Puss in Boots is seeing him and interacting uh, with the wolf but yeah I would imagine that that he pops up uh, in kind of hidden ways and uh, silhouettes and otherwise yeah kind of th- kind of throughout the film I would guess. Yeah, I didn't see him, even though I've seen it twice, but uh, some people have, like, screenshotted and been like, here he is. So mm. um, at the end of the fight with the, the giant, uh, Puss in Boots is about to sing another song, but the bell falls on top of him and he dies, and he wakes up at the doctor's office, and we learn that uh, as he's counting his lives... Uh, he lost his first life in a bullfight. Well, not a bullfight, but like the running of the bulls. He was run over, and then he was gambling with some dogs, and that was the end of his second life. Uh, and then the third was he was drunk on milk. You know, it must have been St. Patty's Day. He was mm-hmm, really mm-hmm. into it, fell off a tower. And then his fourth life expired because he was weightlifting and he's like I don't need a spotter and then he died um and then fifth life expired because he was shot out of a cannon um and then his sixth life expired because he ate some shellfish and I guess that's actually true that (laughs) uh, cats are allergic to shellfish or at least some of them are so okay and then um the oven was too hot in his seventh life, and it burned him. And then we just saw his eight life, uh, you know, the the bell. So mm-hmm. the doctor kind of spells it out like you're on your last life. And, like, at first he's kind of like, ha! Uh, Puss in Boots laughs in the face of death, you know, and he, like, just kind of takes the jar of goodies, you know, with him. Uh, from the doctor and goes to a bar to to order you know nine uh pints of uh of cream mm-hmm. yeah that's right i like the uh bartender says that he keeps the uh, heavy stuff in the back uh in reference to the cream <laughs> which i thought was pretty funny but yeah i really like kind of this um this nine lives section because i a it's it's comedic it was pretty funny but um i liked how they kind of um interpreted the put some boots like death into like the number as they're sliding through these these uh title screen kind of things i like that i thought that was a pretty clever uh way to do it and kind of funny and that really sort of sets us up for i guess kind of the main main theme of the story right is uh put some boots is facing up against uh against the wolf against death and uh you know kind of looking back at his legacy and uh how he wants to be remembered and things so it's kind of this uh this uh, crisis uh, that Puss in Boots is going through throughout this film. Yeah. And at first, he's not scared. He's like, ah, you know, like, Puss in Boots laughs in the face of death, you know. I'm never scared. I'm a legend. But then uh, the wolf comes, and he's kind of like, I want you to sign on this wanted poster on dead, you know. Um, (laughs) And he's like, I'm coming for you, and... You kind of see, like, how Puss in Boots gets scared. Like, the hairs on his his arms are raised, and 
he starts to breathe heavily, you know, uh, and quickly. Mm-hmm. And um, he is like, he decides to run away through a toilet, which I couldn't have done. Like, if I were Puss in Boots there, I would have just died you know because i'm like no i'm <laughs> not going through end. a toilet like <laughs> yeah yeah that would have been but, the end for sure yeah so then uh after that puss in boots is scared he just wants to hide just to like survive to avoid death uh so he goes to mama luna's cat rescue um and he buries his old life as puss in boots you know with like a p-shaped um grave marker i was gonna say cross but i'm like it's not a cross because it's a p you know Mm -hmm. um so he is renamed pickles he has mittens and rewatching it i realized i'm like oh i think that's supposed to like point to the the rhyme three little kittens about their mittens and stuff and i was like oh that's kind of funny so (laughs) yeah there's a lot of um uh really fun interpretations of other um, you know, kind of fairy tales and, and things within the story. And yeah, there's uh, uh, definitely some of that. I really like the symbolism of, you know, Puss in Boots burying uh, his suit and boots and, uh, you know, sword out in the garden, uh, you know, kind of like he's, uh, he's burying the past, so to speak. And as he is adapting now to his uh, new life of uh, leisure, he's let his uh, beard kind of grow out. He's, uh, <laughs> you know, getting into the uh, end of the cat food and into the end of the litter box. But he does meet a new potential friend and ally and probably the best part of Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, uh, that is Perito, voiced by uh, Harvey Guillen. So uh, that's that's pretty fun, and this section is pretty fun. Yeah, Perito is pretending to be a dog. Or, no, he is a dog pretending to be a cat. He kind of has, like, a, a, a little mask and a, a fake cat tail. Um, and at first, like, Puss in Boots is like, yeah, I don't want to talk to you, but... He, Perito doesn't really catch the hint and like just keeps talking to him but uh speaking of an interpretation of another fairy tale Goldilocks and the Three Bears crime family find Mama Luna's uh and they are looking for Puss and uh Daddy Bear kind of goes too soft with uh with uh Mama Luna and Mama Bear goes too hard you know and then uh, Goldilocks is like, that's not just right. And it's like, baby bear, uh, sniff out Puss in Boots, you know. Um, so uh, Puss in Boots leave with Perito um, to find the, the last wish. And uh, Puss in Boots doesn't have a sword, but he gets a stick sword from Perito and... The Wishing Star map is being delivered to Jack Corners. Um, I guess, what's the proper word? Like, factory headquarters? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's like the like the uh, the worldwide headquarters of Jack Corners' uh, pie shop, I guess, that his, uh, his family had, I guess. Yeah, and uh, Jack Horner is from the uh, nursery rhyme, you know, not like a fairy tale, like... What a good boy am I, you know? And he has a great haircut. I'm like, I want to dye my hair like 
lavender and like get those bangs and like cut up cut my hair that straight you know so yeah yeah yeah, jack horner is uh is definitely the um you know kind of antagonist here in the story and and i will say for um you know for being this animated uh feature geared at kids uh jack horner has a, a quite a bit of uh, darkness in him as uh, he's going to give pursuit um, as this kind of enchanted map uh, changes hands. We learn a little bit about the map kind of at the, or uh, you know about this wishing star kind of at the at the very top of the of the film, and then you know we're introduced to this uh, map that's going to show you the the way to this uh, this wishing star that has fallen that is going to be able to grant you uh, kind of one ultimate and final wish. So whoever has this map is going to be able to find it and. Uh, one of the things that I really like about the map, well, A, as soon as I knew that there was a literal star map in this movie, I quickly understood why, uh, Cassia, why you liked the movie so much. But uh, really, the map was based on uh, kind of each individual person, right? So everyone who looked at the map saw different obstacles to overcome. Yeah, and uh, I mean, later in the movie, we'll kind of see like... Uh the different kind of antagonists we have in this movie. Um, like the the Goldilocks and the Three Bears crime family are kind of uh, anti-villains, you know. Uh, Big Jack Corner's the true villain, you know. He has no traumatic backstory or redeeming qualities. Um, and then the wolf represents death, you know. And um, so... Uh, but, uh, and then I would say, like, Puss's main antagonist is facing himself, you know, so, mm-hmm. yeah. So, yeah. It, it's, it's kind of cool to see, like, in a kid's film, like, just the different kind of layers of different antagonists. Yeah, there's a lot of depth here. Um, you know, you mentioned that, you know, Puss in Boots is really kind of, you know, kind of fighting you know within himself uh you know kind of internally and externally um you have kind of uh, this new relationship uh with perito um as a friend and an ally you have a former uh love interest of puss in boots kitty softpaws uh mm-hmm. is coming back into into the equation so you have that relationship working and then and then yeah you have kind of your your villains of you know jack corner and then also kind of this uh villainous uh, crime family of uh, goldilocks and the three bears uh so there's a a bunch of layers on this and maybe that goes back to the original uh shrek right when uh donkey says it's like an onion it's it's got layers um yeah but they get the map and then they they journey to the dark forest and one thing i was kind of wondering is like can you enter the dark forest without the map like what would happen you know um but it's funny because, like, when Puss holds the map, he sees the Valley of Incineration, the Undertaker Bridge, and the Cave of Lost Souls. And then uh, Kitty Softpaws, who um, who we later learn that Puss left at the altar, you know, at Santa Coloma. Uh, when she holds the map, she, like, gets a swamp, mountains, and abyss, and then, like... Perito's like, can I hold the map? And then they're like, ah, sure. Then it's like, oh, a pocket full of posies, a relaxation river, etc. And they're like, yeah, you can hold the map. (laughs) So, 
So they are kind of making their way through it, kind of learning some life lessons, like about enjoying life and like smelling the pocket full of posies, you know. But Jack Horner is in pursuit, um, and he's not playing by the rules. He just runs everyone over uh, and just kind of uses all the magical items he has uh, to try and get uh, to the map you know, and Ethical Bug, who uh, is, he kind of has a voice like Jimmy Stewart, uh, kind of like in your favorite film, you know? Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I loved, uh, I loved Ethical Bug, and yeah, his, uh, his Jimmy Stewart kind of, kind of take on things, and one of the neat things about uh, Jack Horner is that he's got this collection of basically every like magic item from every kind of fairy tale and um you know children's uh book story uh that you've ever seen so you have kind of this neat uh sort of scene where he's just going through and taking all of these things and putting them into a bag and then you know we get into the woods and he's pulling all of these things out and uh pulls out ethical bug and <laughs> i really like because ethical bug is like uh you know everyone has some good in them i just have to find it and he's trying to help him <laughs> and he eventually turns and he's like you're irredeemable uh which i which i really like because yeah jack horner is not playing by the rules he is not a particularly nice guy and he doesn't care and he wants to use the ultimate uh kind of last wish to basically just hoard all of the magic for himself not that he really wants it for any particular purpose other than he wants to be the one that has it and not let anyone else have any of it do you think that jack corner could be said to represent a certain conglomerate that uh made their money with you know fairy tale um movies (laughs) Ooh, maybe, maybe. Um, yeah, it's it's very possible, um, especially as you see the different uh, fairy tale items. Most of those are are pretty parallel to what you might see in another conglomerate. So uh, definitely could be some uh, storytelling in jest there for sure. But um, but yeah, I, I really kind of I kind of like him as an antagonist just because he's you know willing it's very different than than what you see in villains and children's stories uh he by all accounts is is pretty selfishly uh evil we don't really get any of his um you know kind of reasonings for you know why he's evil other than uh he just is yeah and then puss undergoes some changes on the river of relaxation his stick sword is traded for a dagger um and he shaves his beard um what do you think the beard represents uh, in Puss's journey? Um, I think, kind of on the on the surface level of it, I I think it's just kind of a, a kind of visual indicator that he's you know let himself go right. He's buried his uh, past kind of out in the yard. He has a, adopted to this uh, new life and kind of let go of. Um, you know, his persona as, as Puss in Boots. So therefore, I think it's kind of symbolic as uh, Kitty Softpaws, um, you know, is the one that's kind of cutting the beard uh, back for him. You know, she's the one kind of giving him, you know, a, a purpose as uh, Puss in Boots there. She kind of shaves uh, his beard and gives him uh, that dagger, kind of reestablishing, you know, Puss in Boots as as this uh, hero of our story as opposed to, you know, Pickles, this, uh, you know, <laughs> this uh, has-been of uh, Puss in Boots. Yeah, and, um, yeah, so uh, 
then he kind of looks more like his normal self and the beard did grow on me but it is nice to just see Puss in Boots like uh kind of back to his basics you know mm-hmm. um and then a fight breaks out on the river of relaxation Goldilocks gets the map and uh the last up turns into nostalgia pines um and then we actually see Puss in Boots have a panic attack and uh, Perito helps him uh, while he has the panic attack. And I'm like, oh, this is such a nice moment. And he kind of explains to Perito, like, he's down to his last life. And he's like, he can't be Puss in Boots because Puss in Boots is a legend who's not scared of death, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I uh, really... Yeah, I really liked that as he's um, there and Preto kind of lays his uh, little chin on uh, Puss in Boots there and, uh, you know, calms him down. Because earlier um, in the film, when they very first met, uh, you know, Preto was uh, trying to get Puss in Boots to rub his belly because Preto's ultimate uh, goal, what he wanted to do with his life, was to be, um, you know, a calming, uh, you know, comfort dog. Um, and uh, so he's able to kind of fulfill, uh, you know, his uh biggest wish kind of right there in that moment right he's able to uh provide that aid and security and uh, safety to someone and uh gets puss in boots to calm down he seemed like he was having a pretty bad uh panic attack maybe he was uh he was gonna lose uh, life number nine right there but you know Perito is able to to come in and get him to calm down and uh then you know kitty softpaws is there to kind of overhear uh the conversation so it really kind of changes the dynamic of these three you know kind of in this after this you know kind of confrontation yeah and eventually there's some uh snafus with the with the map to the wishing star uh we kind of learn more about goldie's background um in nostalgia pines but uh puss and kitty team up and are able to get it and then for a moment like everything floats and then uh, they dance and grab the map together, and then it turns into the Mountain of Misery, and then the Cave of Lost Souls. And some people interpret um, uh, Puss's uh, eight expired lives as the eight deadly sins. Uh, I mm. I didn't really look into that because I can't really remember what the eight deadly sins are, you know? <laughs> um, but that interpretation is out there i'm sure you can find a an essay on it but yeah yeah uh yeah that didn't that didn't strike me i could see parallels for most of those i i only knew of seven deadly sins uh myself but um so i don't know certainly i uh that kind of spawns me to want to go back and um maybe not even necessarily rewatch it but go back into his uh past lives and do a little uh analyzing there for myself see if i can come up with some good parallels Seven deadly sins. I was inaccurate, so <laughs> that's funny. Um, but yeah, it's really funny because Perito gets trapped by the the bear crime family, and they're like, they'll come back for him. And uh, Perito like swears a lot, and it's it's all bleeped out. It's kind of funny. Um, but Perito tells Goldilocks like, "You won the orphan lottery, like." Uh, and it kind of gets her thinking, like, maybe I don't need the wish for a real family. Like, maybe the real family I have is this is this family of bears, you know? Um, 
But we finally make it to the Wishing Star. Puss in Boots is there first, and uh, Kitty is mad because just as she was kind of starting to finally trust Puss again, you know, after Santa Coloma, um, here he is, and he's like, death is after me. Uh, and she thinks she he's being dramatic, you know. Um, but... Uh, Goldilocks and the three bears get there and Jack Horner and a random mook like I'm like I should probably know the mook's name but she's not really given a name Jack Horner doesn't call her by name and mm-hmm. she dies and he he's like I don't even care so it's like oh that's sad so <laughs> yeah I yeah he brings uh, her along because she was kind of left hanging on the side of a cliff after he gets rid of uh his uh little Jiminy Cricket stand in there and he just asks her if she you know if she doesn't talk very much she says no so she gets to go along with him but yeah you kind of have all of these forces are coming together here on the the surface of this uh wishing star uh kind of thing and um yeah it's it's just really neat because you've gotten kind of these these life lessons Perito is you know kind of inspired inspired the bulk of them but but really, as it comes down to it, you know, kind of everyone's ultimate wish are things that they've they've fulfilled in their life, right? Um, you know, Puss in Boots is kind of able to uh, look into the face of fear. Um, I'd mentioned, you know, Perito is able to uh, kind of fulfill uh, his want and desire as being, uh, you know, kind of a therapy uh, dog there. Um, Kitty Softpaws has, you know, been able to uh, put her trust back into someone after, uh, you know, being being spurned by Puss in Boots uh, earlier in their story and you know Prito has gotten through to Goldilocks that you know she uh, has a great family you know she doesn't need to wish for a different family because she's already got one so yeah and then not to be outdone the wolf shows up and uh, he kicks uh, Puss in Boots sword to him like his rapier to him you know and uh, and then the the wolf asks, like, lives flashing before your eyes, and then he just says, no, just one. So it's like he faces death, like, he's not an arrogant little legend anymore. He's he's just able to face it, and the wolf is like, oh, this is, like, kind of killing my thunder, you know, because I, I was wanting to take the life of, like, uh just an arrogant person well cat you know um and uh puss is like kind of accepted his mortality and kind of become a a better person you know um Mm -hmm. but so so then uh the wolf who is really a psychopomp for for death is like you'll meet we'll meet again one day and puss accepts that and uh and then jack corner when he was trapped in the nanny bag um he found the eat me that makes him a giant so we thought like jack corner was taken care of but um what perito does is try the cute eyes that kitty and uh puss did earlier and it's kind of funny <laughs> gets a nosebleed yeah trying to trying to bulge his eyes out there yeah, and um, 
and that wasn't the point and Jack Corner's like it's so cute how you thought that would work and it's like oh no I was just distracting you for a second so what happens is uh, uh, Puss and Kitty give Jack Corner Spanish splinters uh, which is like uh, the sword goes under the nail of the thumb and what I can say is when I was cleaning a fridge once I was just trying to like get rid of some old food uh, with my with my thumbnail and like I've had a Spanish splinter because of that before so I'm like mm, yeah. they hurt you know <laughs> and <laughs> yeah every every time he does it yeah first to the the giant at the beginning of the film and then yeah at the end and every time I'm like ah I don't like to I don't like to see it yeah so um so then uh the Goldilocks and the crime bear family uh, help, uh, you know, uh, ethical bug and uh, team friendship uh, destroy the map so Jack Corner can't get the wish. And uh, it's kind of funny because as, like, Jack Corner is, like, dying, uh, he's like, what did I do to deserve this? I mean, what specifically? You know, and it's just <laughs> kind of funny. And he, he does the opposite of the Terminator two you know mm-hmm. like how yep. terminator dies with the thumbs up um uh he 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 has his thumb down kind of like the nursery rhyme that's right yeah yeah i was gonna say yeah it pays uh homage there to one of my other favorite films yeah terminator 2 uh at the end with his with his thumb there so yeah uh evil has been dispatched uh i guess goldie and the three bears now are uh yeah i guess they're, i guess they're still a crime family but that's okay they're gonna they're gonna go on and uh go off and and do their thing and then we have team friendship uh to go off and sail off into the open seas and uh maybe one day um i already spoiled it way at the beginning but maybe meet up with some old friends so yeah and far far away so shrek five t's i'm ready for it so um Oh, and are you ready for some uh, lightning round trivia? Uh, no, but yeah, let's let's <laughs> oh, let's do it. I'm I'm always I'm always ready for trivia. Let's do it. Oh, it's not trivia. It's like trivia about the movie, not like who is your favorite <laughs> character. But um, oh, okay. Did you know that during the montage where Big Jack Horner assembles his baker's dozen, the horses pulling the carriage were actually unicorns? whose horns were cut off. Oh, I did not notice that, no. Yeah. And then um, at one hour and 42 minutes, this is the longest film in the Shrek franchise. Okay. That that what, makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, which I love because it's actually kind of like short, you know, and some Oscar-nominated <laughs> films are like, yeah, it's like kind of almost like four hours, but you can deal with that, right? You know? It, and I'm like... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um yeah, just a uh, hour and hour and 42 minutes. Yeah, it um has a really nice pacing to it and you know, we kind of talked through the story there a little bit, but there's there's a lot of layers and things that are that are going on. So it it definitely used all of that time. It didn't feel like there was any uh sort of sort of dead time and you know, that's often the case I guess with animated films because everything is having to be uh created by the the artists that are that are working on it so you don't have a lot of uh, uh kind of filler time uh there so to speak it stays pretty pretty much on point to tell the story which is really nice yeah 
And then there are several callbacks to the first movie. Puss and Kitty dance together to take the map from Goldilocks because they kind of had a big dance uh, in the first uh, Puss in Boots. A mm -hmm. cat in Mama Luna's home says, ooh, like in the first movie. <laughs> okay. And Humpty's name is in the fairy tale book that Goldilocks reads. And yeah, Humpty, Humpty's in the first one. I didn't really like his character, um, but he mm. is in it, so... Yeah, I noticed. That, um, like I mentioned, I hadn't I hadn't seen the other uh, the first Puss in Boots film or uh, the third and fourth Shrek, but I did notice uh, Gingerbread Man and Pinocchio both got uh, got some screen time here. I remembered uh, them being in there from Shrek. I'm sure that there are others too. And then I think in in one of the flashbacks, uh, you know, Puss is seeing uh, kind of the his life flash before his eyes. You know, every time that he has one of these encounters uh, with with death and then by the end you know it's it's kind of focusing more on uh perito and and kitty soft paws but you have kind of the flashback and shows him wa walking with uh shrek and donkey and uh you know that kind of stuff going on too yeah and then the last bit of trivia is this film's title was announced as puss in boots 2 nine lives and 40 thieves back in june 2014 Mm, okay now i knew that this had been in development for a long time um, because i think guillermo del toro wanted to do the sequel or had like some sort of vested interest in in doing it or something like that so it kind of kind of went in and out but uh yeah because i think the original the first puss in boots i think came out in like 2012 so it's been quite a while yeah so it's kind of been in uh you know the hollywood uh the term is development hell for a while but I'm kind of glad they waited uh, for the right story and kind of did something different with the animation style. So I'm glad we got it now. Um, and it's nominated for an Oscar, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, because it seems like, um, you know, and, and I literally just mentioned it that I hadn't seen the first one, but just kind of looking back at that one and some of kind of the reviews and takeaways from that, you know, that just by all accounts just seemed like some kind of standard uh you know kind of story that you know they're capitalizing off of this kind of spin-off character from from shrek that was so well beloved and things like that but this this very much feels like it's you know kind of its own story and very monumental and you know kind of the tale that they're uh willing to willing to tell you know it's not really it's not really banking off of that nostalgia uh from shrek so to speak it's definitely its own thing and uh can carry its own weight yeah I guess, what did you like most about uh, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish? Um, for me, I I really like just kind of the kind of the the tone and um, you know, kind of the the telling of this tale is, you know, as you know, you're seeing this hero kind of start to start to age. Um, you know, not necessarily by getting old, but you know, being a cat, you know, you're running up against the the end of the the nine lives and you know you're getting to this point of you know what do you want to be remembered for do you want to you know sacrifice your your friendships and relationships you know to go back and you know experience all of that glory again or are you satisfied to uh, be happy in and the life that you live um and that's act <laughs> that's one of the the themes from one of my my favorite films of the year everything everywhere all at once you know has kind of a similar theme so i i really like that this tackled you know, pretty mature 
uh, themes and, you know, in the way that a lot of these animated films are, are starting to do now. Um, they're really yeah. kind of bleeding over from, you know, just being, you know, uh, things that children are going to watch, but, you know, things that, you know, people of all ages are going to get a lot out of. So, yeah, I, re- I really liked that aspect of it, just, you know, kind of telling the story of, of this hero who's just kind of at the... Uh, you know, kind of at this crossroads of of their life, and what decisions do you make, and you know, how much does that that fame resonate with you, and how much does um, you know being happy and content resonate with you, and what choices are you going to make to go down either sides of those of that road? Yeah, and I I really like that message, like coming to terms with mortality and uh, being a. a better person kind of opening your heart to other people um and i also just really love Perito, and <laughs> yeah uh, just was really uh funny and touching and was a he's gonna be a good therapy dog so that's right yeah even in a movie about cats dogs are still the best uh little Perito. uh sorry for all the uh, all the dog fans out there and also olivia coleman uh voices uh mama bear so how can it not be great olivia <laughs> coleman only does things that are amazing so yeah and it's just funny because she was in the one kind of being too hard on mama luna and it's like if you don't tell us we will use your innards for like um I'm I'm trying to remember the line, but I'm like, wow, okay, <laughs> but that's right. Yeah, it it got it got pretty dark there with the uh, with the three bears for sure. Yeah, but and then she can also do touching and like it's like if you want this wish, Goldie will will help you. And I was like, oh, <laughs> so yeah, Olivia Coleman is always a win. So yeah. But- that's right for sure but um but yeah it was it was a really good movie i'm glad i got to watch it um and like i said i knew that you were really high on it cassia so i was interested to see it uh just from that standpoint and happy to see that it's uh getting you know some love uh here come oscar time so we'll have to see how that does here and and you know just about a month when the when the oscars happen if it's going to be able to to win the prize or not but you know regardless of of whether it does it's definitely a worthwhile uh film whether you're you know into animated films or not it it looks great the voice acting is great and the message of the story is really good yeah so all in all we highly recommend it and may the force be with you Inspired a Galaxy is an imprint of the ORP and can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Google Podcasts, as well as everywhere else that Anchor Podcasts are distributed. And you can connect with the ORP on Twitter. It's at Old Republic Pod. And if you want to connect with me on Instagram, it's at Astro underscore Droid underscore. And the ORP and Inspired a Galaxy podcasts Patreon can be found under www.patreon.com forward slash older public podcast. The Inspired a Galaxy theme was composed by Alistair Shoreman. Alistair can be found at alistairsounds.wixsite.com forward slash Alistair Sounds. This episode of Inspired a Galaxy has been brought to you by our supporters on Patreon. May the force be with you. <laughs>